Welcome to Because People Count, the Accountancy Europe podcast. This podcast tackles the hottest topics for the European accountancy profession. Get your need-to-know update from Brussels. First off, it's important to say that we know these are troubling times with the COVID-19 pandemic. We hope that we can keep you company wherever you may be in this crisis. As promised last episode, we will share with you the interviews from Tax Day 2020. We talked to representatives from the European Parliament, the Global Reporting Initiative, the Ex-Tax Project, the French Ministry of Economy and Finance, and Oxfam. So a broad range of public and private sector views on the tax system. Last week, we heard from the European Commission's Benjamin Angel, who, among other things, made specific reference to the EU blacklist of tax havens. If you haven't heard it already, we suggest you give it a listen. This week, we first head over to the European Parliament, where we hear from MEP Paul Tang, who offers his own view on the blacklist, and more broadly, the role that the EU should play in tax. I'm Paul Tang, member of European Parliament, and working in the last mandate, also before that in national parliament, and also this mandate on tax matters. The exciting thing about the European Parliament is how activist the last Parliament was and how, through its activism, it managed to get a lot of legislative initiatives on the table in the European Commission. What do you see as your priorities for this term when it comes to tax matters? Well, partly it is concluding the work or trying to push the work that we already have done, for uh, for example, on the blacklist of non-cooperative jurisdictions was published and it doesn't include by definition the EU tax haven. Now the European Parliament has said no there are EU tax havens. So what we're going to do is address the EU tax havens once more in this uh, period. It's pretty obvious what are the criteria they need to fulfill to not be a tax haven anymore. Just like a non-cooperative jurisdiction. If the council will do it, Parliament will do it. So that's one. And the second one is very interesting of course. It very much depends on how the OECD negotiations will go. They're discussing a minimum effective tax rate will set the agenda either through the OECD uh, agreement itself or beyond that or next to that. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that we will, because what, one of the things we do need also is a common external border in the EU. Right? Every country has its own withholding tax, which makes that uh, corporates will s- seek out those countries with the lowest uh, withholding tax. Now we need an external border and this is what the, uh, what the, uh, the minimum effective tax rate is about. And then, um, just in closing, you said you did mention something about uh, the EU being the good cop on on tax matters. Yeah, well, but this is a bit more long-term agenda. I I would like to think that even if you have a reform of the tax system, and that is needed, it's completely outdated. It's not just about having a new system of rules. You need to enforce the rules. And who's going to enforce the rules? I haven't seen that in the last 30 years. So we need a coalition of countries to say, oh, I'm the good cop in this. I'm the tax collector of the last resort. And that we have a different attitude by maintaining the rules and keeping belasting morale among the largest corporates. Yeah, so it's not just about setting the rules, it's making sure that they are adhered to. Exactly. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. So the EU could become the good cop when it comes to taxes. But what about sustainability? Next, we hear about GRI's latest standard for tax. My name's Mia Dadama. I'm a senior manager at the Global Reporting Initiative, or GRI, and we are setters of sustainability reporting standards. Voluntary reporting has often been necessary in order to preempt mandatory reporting. There are, of course, other benefits to a framework being voluntary. 
And in the case of GRI, we use a core principle called materiality. Now, it's not materiality in the way you would understand financial materiality, but it's about the impacts of an organisation on the outside world. <clears throat> or on sustainable development. And the idea is part of what we, the flexibility that's enabled through this voluntary process is that organisations are really able to report on the material topics or their impacts on uh, sustainable development. They're able to report on the topics that are most relevant for their organisation. So in the case that you had mandatory legislation, for example, usually it would apply to everybody. Of course, there are certain bits of legislation that, that apply to certain sectors, but in doing that, you're excluding other sectors where it might also be relevant. I think the other thing that you get from having a voluntary uh, framework or a voluntary standard as our uh, GRI 207 tax standard is, is that it really allows you to explore best practice reporting. So when you look at mandatory reporting requirements, usually they will contain perhaps the, the basic or the core requirements that everybody needs to do. What a voluntary standard allows you to do is really expand into the best practice. So where are the leaders? in this reporting space. It's interesting because you can move so much faster and build upon those best practices so much more quickly than mm -hmm. a lot of governments can. A, a, the legislative process is so onerous, especially here in the EU. Building in the best practices from the beginning and being able to adapt the standard gives you a lot of flexibility. So, speaking of standards, why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, the Standard 207? Sure. So, uh, GRI 207 tax is the newest topic-specific standard in the GRI standard set, and it enables organisations who are um, identifying tax as a material topic for them to report on their management approach, to tax and also on some of the hard data around their economic activity or economic value and also the tax paid and accrued in the jurisdictions in which they are operating. So this would now be in addition to the management report that they produce yearly? Yes, okay. that's right. It's basically getting at specific information that's relevant to uh, tax practices or tax behaviour, if you will. Um, so for example, we ask questions about whether or not there's a tax strategy in place. The standard also asks questions about how the approach to tax is aligned with the business and sustainable development strategies of the organisation. So it's maybe moving into a little bit more granular detail about how tax is approached, the principles that they're applying, the intention they have around their tax practices. There's also questions in there around how organisations are engaging with stakeholders on tax. And we've seen organisations such as UNPRI are really looking to increase the level of dialogue that organisations have, not only with government of course, but in their case with investors, so other interested stakeholders. And one of the interesting things that's really emerging is that historically, uh, tax has been the topic of conversation between organisations and the tax authorities and there is a number of other stakeholders who are now asking for the opportunity to have a conversation about this topic so that they can be better informed and also of course so they can influence the practices of organisations. Thank you very much <laughs> and we really appreciate your time. Zooming out a bit, we now approach green taxes and the broader impact that these taxes can have on the economy as a whole to level the playing field between companies that try to reduce their environmental footprint with those that do not. My name is Femke Groothuis. I'm president and founder of the XTEX project. We're a think tank focused on fiscal innovations for the inclusive circular economy and the SDGs. 
one of your main projects at the X-Tax project is uh, green taxes. For a lot of people who haven't heard or can't really wrap their heads around what a green tax is, can you describe what a green tax would look like? Sure. We focus on green taxes as well as employment taxes. So employment taxes are all the taxes that we put on in terms of personal income tax, social contributions and uh, payroll taxes. On the other hand, the green taxes uh, put a price on the use of resources or energy, pollution, waste streams. So there are basically a lot of options for governments to uh, raise green taxes other than, for example, putting a price on carbon. Do you know any success stories for uh, examples of governments actually implementing a, a green tax? Yes, there are a lot of green taxes in, in Europe, so a lot of measures, but in terms of revenues, they're relatively small. So across the, uh, the EU, about 6% on average of government budgets are raised on uh, in green taxes, and most of those are energy and mobility taxes. So just 0.2% of the budgets across Europe on average are based on resources and pollution. The other thing that I'm sure you, you deal with a lot is this idea of if you tax companies on their resource use, doesn't this eventually result in higher prices? So um, it all depends on where the tax is levied and how exactly. And then of course, if, if companies start to pay more for, for their resource use, yes, they will pass that on to consumers, at least for as much as they can in terms of competition. But what happens is that those companies that do not use those resources or do not uh, emit the carbon uh, have a competitive advantage. So the companies that are cleaner will have a competitive edge over the ones that are polluting and they will draw more investment, they will turn larger profits and you know that's what we want to achieve in a, in, in a green future for, for the European Union. So it becomes a virtuous cycle if you will of uh, companies that do better pay fewer taxes have a better market position because they're making more profits and then continue their positive businesses and then companies that lag behind work to achieve those kind of similar advantages. Yes, because currently pollution is not paid for, so it actually is, you could see it as a, as a benefit or a subsidy to, uh, so not passing on the bill. So companies are, that are polluting are passing on the bill of their pollution to society at large. And when you turn that around, there is a totally different dynamic. On the other hand, if we also at the same time lower labor taxes, there's an, an extra effect there because the business models that we need for a circular economy are more labor intensive or knowledge intensive than the ones we need for a linear economy. So in a linear economy, you will create a product and sell it to someone and that's it. And you don't worry about how it's wasted or where it ends up or the pollution that comes with that. In a circular economy, companies will take care of those materials and they want to try and get the materials back. So they will provide services with the, with the products. They will make sure they have the system in place to get the products back to the factory so they can reuse those materials or harvest spare parts or refurbish uh, these products. So it's a totally different world. And the business models that currently are being investigated by a lot of companies to become circular actually face this high cost of labor, which is really a burden if you want to shift to that type of business model. And at the same time, they need to compete with businesses that do not pay for their pollution. So it's 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 really... Uh, Leveling the playing field, exactly. I think, is a lot, a yeah. lot of times that's, yeah. that's talked about for these things. But yeah. I see, I see um, your vision, and I really hope that more governments get on board and most of all the European Commission will start. And they've already 
already promised with the, as part of the Green Deal to, to move forward with that. So we can only hope that the X-Tax project will come to the rest of the European Union and as soon as possible. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you so, so much. much for your time. Thanks. Our next speaker continues this broader view and brings the French government's perspective with regards to reforming the global tax system, not from a sustainability, but from a digital standpoint. My name is Christophe Pourreau. I am um, the director of the Tax Legislation Directorate in the French Ministry of Economy and Finance. In France, there's been a lot of heated discussion around uh, tax in the last year. Maybe you can tell me what's planned for 2020. Uh, you know, France has, um, and, and the Minister Le Maire in particular, has always said that it shared the opinion that the, the current international tax framework uh, was not adapted to the new business model that we know, uh, especially the business model of the digital companies, and has always asked and made proposals to reform the system in order to cope with these new business models. And that's why Minister Le Maire asked for a new European initiative on this matter. And now that's why he's working at, together with the OECD Secretariat in order to find solutions to adapt the national tax framework to the new business models. And uh, that's why we aim to do at, uh, at the international level. 2020 is a very important year because that's the year when governments are supposed to find a political agreement on this matter. We all agree that the tax system has many problems that don't quite match with modern economy. Digital companies are an excellent example of that. Are there any other areas that are of interest that you, you might be looking into for modernizing the tax system? Together with our work on the change of the tax rules to uh, and the allocation, uh, the taxing rights uh, of, of countries uh, for the business models of the digital economy, we also made a proposal on minimal taxation, which is also an important matter for us because uh, while we, um, we recognize the, the, the achievements made at the international level uh, during the last 10 years in, in order to fight against tax fraud or uh, bank secrecy and so on, we also are of the opinion that uh, it didn't prevent countries to reduce their corporate in income tax rates and to have it didn't prevent uh, an increased tax competition among countries and that's and in our view it's also a, a, a subject that we have to deal with because it, it endangers the financing of our budgets and um, and the economy so we also want to to put this matter on the table in order to find a, an international solution also. So it's very interesting to see that different players, governments and also um, NGOs are coming to a similar um, conclusion on this topic. Our final speaker from Oxfam touches upon ethics and tax and how the current tax system is full of loopholes and inconsistencies that make tax avoidance possible. I'm Chiara Potaturo, the policy advisor of uh, the EU office of Oxfam on uh, tax inequality. Ethics in taxation for us means a tax system that contributes to decrease inequality rather than increase inequality through a progressive tax system and uh, through contribution to the domestic revenue mobilization of uh, developed and developing countries that assure public services for the people. And who do you speak with uh, about tax and ethics? At EU level, our main targets are the European institutions. So we think that regulation in the tax system is, is needed. There are a lot of holes in the tax system, and this is why my object today to present my speech will be a Swiss cheese that is full of, uh, of holes. 
but of course we think that uh, everybody can play a role so the companies and also tax uh, professionals and in fact in other offices of, uh, of Oxfam we, we strongly cooperate with uh, also corporations. We have brought you a variety of different perspectives on how the tax system can evolve to meet the challenges of a global economy. These structural changes take time, but we will be here to update you as the debate progresses. We'll be back again soon, and I promise next time we'll step away from tax. Till then, stay safe. Thanks for listening to Because People Count, the Accountancy Europe podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a rating or review and subscribe. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, and most podcasting apps. Get in touch. We are at AccountancyEU on Twitter, and you can contact me at Andrea at AccountancyEurope.eu. This podcast is presented and edited by Andrea Campbell with help from Elida Nijar. Our music is Fearless First by Kevin McLeod under a Creative Commons license. See you next time, because people count. <laughs>